Welcome to the Shila Kama Extractive Podcast. We continue our discussions on local content policies, mineral oil and gas projects. Today, my guest, Frederick Atakuma, is the Executive Vice President and Managing Director of Asanko Gold in Ghana. Asanko Gold is a joint venture between Goldfields in South Africa and Galliano Gold in Canada. Previous to that, Fred was the Managing Director of Engel Gold Ashanti, Ghana's largest gold producer. Fred also served as the first Vice President of the Ghana Chamber of Mines. On a bilateral front, Fred also served as the President of the Canada-Ghana Chamber of Commerce. I've known Fred for nearly 10 years now, and I look forward to our conversation and hope that you too will enjoy my discussion with Fred. Fred, welcome aboard. It's nice to see you. Thank you very much. It's always a, a privilege for me to interact with you, and uh, I look forward to learning a lot today as well. Thank you. So I thought we'd just get straight to the, the heart of the matter. And, and, and since you are from the uh, private sector, uh, I'm looking to you to give us uh, a, a private sector perspective of this issue. Within uh, the private sector itself, local content for some are deemed to be particularly problematic. When you think about the more problematic aspects of local content, from an investor's perspective, what comes to mind and why, Fred? Yeah, thanks, uh, Sheila. Local content is definitely uh, very important to the investor. Um, but when it comes to operationalizing it, uh, like you rightly said, there are a few challenges. And uh, the first key challenge I'd like to raise has to do with uh, the fact that governments tend to focus a lot more on the quote-unquote content level, uh, you know, when it comes to compliance with local content plans, as opposed to maybe a lot more strategically leveraging the local content process to develop local manufacturing or assembling capacity, which I believe uh, tends to be a lot more beneficial uh, to uh, to governments and stakeholders and uh, you know the industry for that matter and uh, one when, when we look at it in that respect as well this is because there's a bit of a disconnect between what tends to be prescribed by the local content plan as opposed to the real capacity on the ground in country so this poses various challenges where traditionally what tends to happen is where there isn't local capacity or there is inadequate local capacity. Uh, local supply companies would just become, if you like, agencies of uh, offshore companies. So all they do is to import their products, add their markup and supply to the mine. And uh, that then becomes a more expensive option uh, than would have been the case if, if a different approach had been adopted. Secondly, and linked to the point I just made, is the fact that local capacity usually does not have the scale that is needed to deliver, you know, as it were, the adequate quality we want, the competitive cost we require, and also timely delivery uh, of the input. 
And uh, sometimes it's fundamentally because of issues relating to lack of capital to put in place the required manufacturing capacity, etc. But other times too, it's also because there's a reluctance to get into options like joint ventures, if you like, with uh, some of the bigger players out there so that we can build the capacities in country. So that tends to be, you know, another, uh, uh, the issue of scale tends to be another big one which affects us because that affects everything. There again, it's uh, inadequate quality, it's higher cost, and there again, you're unable to, you know, deliver to uh, as per the timelines that are required, uh, etc. So I think it's, it's fundamentally this focus on the content level and the disconnect that ensues with what's happening on the, on the ground so far as the country is concerned, that becomes an issue. I think local content should actually be a key tool towards building local manufacturing capacity, but that hasn't seemed to be the focus for now, and uh, the industry pays the price for it. Um, you know, your, your critics, in other words, critics of the industry argue that this is just one perfect example of an industry that isn't coming to the party and isn't sufficiently supportive of host countries. And, and, and that it is for this reason that governments are left with no choice but to enact laws that are essentially prescriptive. Because short of being prescribed, uh, industry is not likely to move forward. How true uh, are these uh, observations, uh, Fred? Yeah, I think I would uh, approach this by referring to uh, some of our more recent happenings. We've globally been hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, one of the key issues that has come up as a result of COVID is the huge and significant impact it's had on supply chains, practically for all industries. There are many industries that are still uh, reeling from its impact. And uh, what it's brought to the fore is the fact that COVID led to lockdowns from in the traditional uh, manufacturing jurisdictions of the world, such that, you know, most industries were struggling to get the inputs that they needed. So the key lesson from COVID is that it's critical to actually have our supply chains closer to our minds and having them away from our minds. So given that context, and even though I, I'll admit that this is a more recent occurrence, it would not be in any mining company's interest, uh, you know, to avoid dealing with the issue of building local capacity and local capability to meet its input requirements. Uh, because doing that would actually, in the long term, undermine the business. So yes, I mean, in the, in the past, uh, the traditional approach would have been the easy one where you source your inputs from the most cost competitive, quality assured jurisdiction, um, but that doesn't deliver a sustainable business and more so in a post COVID-19 world. What has become, you know, very, very clear is that, you know, the closer we are able to, uh, you know, establish these linkages with our suppliers, if you like, or manufacturing bases, the better. 
So mining companies, I think, are seriously relooking at this. And I think this even started a while ago uh, when the sustainability drive uh, came up because it, it, it became very clear that we couldn't just focus on profit. There was the need to deal with a broader socioeconomic aspect and establish a lot more touch points with our local economies than was uh, previously the situation. The industry cannot be an enclave. The industry operates within a certain national ecosystem. And uh, the whole social license conversation, apart from the regulatory license, is enhanced greatly if we can strengthen the linkages you know, with the local economy. So much as in times past, uh, the view of our critics um, you know, would have held. I think we've seen quite a shift uh, from that because if we are going to build sustainable uh, mining companies and a sustainable mining industry, for instance, they need to establish these local linkages. Uh, it's super critical. And two, like I said, given the lessons from COVID, for instance, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to have your manufacturing base in country, uh, which puts you in a much better space to keep your operations going, uh, etc. you know, should you have um, you know, challenges like that. But importantly as well, we know that mines can be leveraged as critical growth poles for development of our communities, you know, local economies, and even national economies. So that's an opportunity that we shouldn't lose. And it's one that we should actually leverage uh, uh, deliberately and strategically, you know, to ensure that there's the broader benefit to all stakeholders. So uh, one of the, the things you recognize is, is, is that uh, in the end, uh, we learn with time. And one of the, the lessons, uh, of course, is that when dealing with mineral deposits or, or, or gas fields or oil fields for that matter, in the end, there's a certain reality and that reality revolves around the economics of the deposit uh, itself, which is to say, that when we structure costs and design the project, we are really driven by the, the, the likely return that that deposit uh, is, 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 is uh, able to deliver. If we take that view, what is the, the role of local content then in marginal deposits? Does it become uh, a risk or does it become an opportunity? I think that's, that's a very interesting question, uh, Sheila, because marginal deposits uh, fall within a very interesting and unique uh, class. Uh, but my view is that fundamentally, we shouldn't look at local content uh, policies versus you know, the economics of a mining project as mutually exclusive. Um, because I think that, that rather leads to, if you like, a win-lose type scenario. But I think the conversation should be more to do with the degree of overlap uh, between our local content policies and the economics of the project. Uh, and the reason why I, I think such a view, which I believe is a lot more holistic than just uh, looking at it as an either or, uh, is important is because of the potential or, you know, related benefits of having a mine in a community or a country. 
there is obviously the fiscal side, you know, but there are jobs that are created that multiply effects of having a mine. I remember years ago, um, uh, a study was done here in Ghana on the mining industry. And if I'm not exaggerating, we noticed that for every mining job, at least about 13 uh, other jobs were created in the uh, Ghanaian economy. So it is that kind of broader socioeconomic benefits that uh, we shouldn't lose sight of because there are linkages. There are all kinds of things, services, input, uh, that would have to come in anyway, simply because the mine is here. But I think that the, the issue of looking at the either or situation, local content and marginal versus marginal deposit and what do we do about it, or whether we still insist as governments on, well, adhere to our policies before you can uh, develop your mind. Um, if we look at it once again in the marginal uh, resource context, because mining starts with the resource. And if it's marginal, my view is that we may have to craft a solution that ensures that it benefits all stakeholders. And the approach uh, that I would, I would look at is, one, we need to make the project bankable. So if certain concessions are required, I think governments should be willing to take a longer term view and uh, willing to make short-term concessions to enable, one, the investment to come in, and two, the project to get to the point where, uh, if you like, it's gotten out of the critical phase where it's able to deliver the required cash flows, it's able to cover its costs, etc. And then we can have, you know, various milestones where we evaluate uh, the state of the project and see at which level we can start applying some of the traditional rules would have applied from the beginning. The reason is this then guarantees that the investment at least gets into the country as a first step. And let's not forget that investors always have a choice. Uh, they are not obliged or bound to invest in a particular jurisdiction. They will chase returns. So if we find out that the regulatory situation doesn't make a particular marginal process, uh, project bankable. Uh, and we insist on, as it were, having a pound of flesh, quote unquote, then what may well end up is that investment may go to another jurisdiction willing to uh, put up a more competitive uh, situation, you know, when it comes to attracting it. So I think, I think in, my, in the marginal situation, we definitely uh, should you know, encourage governments to take another look where they may have to put in certain or put up certain concessions uh, to get investment in. And uh, I know you can get into the contentious conversation of development agreements and all of that, uh, given the approach I'm, I'm, I'm proposing. But then you, you actually adopt a milestone approach to review, uh, you know, how they... Uh, operation of the business is faring, and at which stage, you know, you can then uh, make certain demands on the business for the broader benefit of everybody, the local communities, the government, uh, the investor as well, uh, who, who has actually brought this capital. So I think that that collaborative longer term view, uh, which is incentivized at the beginning, given the unique nature of the marginal deposit, I think would, would be to 
uh, a more mutually beneficial outcome for everyone. You have quite uh, interestingly brought in the question of uh, mutual uh, benefit. And, and, and so far, we've been looking at uh, the issue from uh, the perspective of uh, the investor and the host government. Of course, what we are, you and I, are infinitely mindful of is the fact that uh, sandwiched between those two giants, if you wish, are the communities uh, in the vicinity of the, the mines. And some people argue that actually local content policies, to the extent that they uh, engage the communities, are a better, more expedient way of delivering benefits to citizens rather than tax, which goes to the national coffers. And by the time it permeates the whole social fabric, uh, there has been casualties. What would your view be to say then that, uh, assuming we agree, that perhaps local content could be a better substitute uh, to national taxation, at least from the perspective of immediately having impact on the communities? Yeah, thanks, you know, there's yet another very interesting uh, question. Um, I think there's enough evidence of the significantly higher benefits of uh, the local content routes compared to the traditional resource rate approach of taxes and royalties. And uh, if we want to, you know, take a look at Ghana, for instance, and look at some of the data we've got, um, between 2013 and 2016, and this is data from the annual reports of the Ghana Chamber of Commerce, uh, local purchases started off at about 1 billion in 2013, uh, dropped to $700 million in 2014, went to $800 million in 2015, and came back up to $1 billion again in 2016. Now, over the same period, taxes to government you know, the state earned 550 million in 2013, uh, 420 million uh, US dollars in 2014, 320 in 2015, and uh, 327 million in 2016. So it is quite clear that from a value uh, perspective, local content does deliver superior value than the traditional, you know, taxation approach, which at best, uh, given the uh, figures I've just highlighted, you know, stays between 30 to 50% of the potential contribution that properly taught through local content uh, initiatives can deliver. You know, so I think it's, it's, it's a brilliant opportunity for governments uh, to work with uh, the mining industry uh, so that it's leveraged effectively, it's leveraged strategically. We are able to, once again, enhance the linkages between the mine and the, and the broader national economy so that we keep increasing uh, that, the value that is generated uh, in, in that space. So I think, I think it's something that governments should look at by work collaboratively with um, you know, industry, given some of the challenges I enumerated. But the benefits of local uh, content as opposed to just the regularization approach, which tends to be easy for governments to do, uh, you know, is, is something that 
should really receive a lot more attention than has been the case. In Ghana, I know uh, government working with industry in 2017 developed what was known as the National uh, Suppliers Development Program, which was aimed to aim that, you know, <clears throat> further enhancing and leveraging the potential benefits of the local content space. And I think interventions like this uh, are very much in order to ensure that we we grow the cake as opposed to, uh, you know, skinning whatever small size we've got, uh, and uh, which, which would be quite disadvantageous and undermine the industry. So uh, you've said a mouthful and brought in uh, uh, very interesting dimensions to the discussion, but I'm not uh, ready to let you go yet. So, so here's one last question. You sit at the inter interesting intersection of somebody in the industry uh, of mining, somebody dealing with multinational uh, corporations with different perspectives, somebody who has served in uh, a, a, a vice presidency capacity in the Chamber of Mines and then been a member of a Chamber of Commerce. And, and so I wanted you to give us a perspective. Some people argue that uh, local content is much about muchness in the mining space and that actually local content ought to be a cross-cutting policy issue and that the obsession with the extractives misses the point so when you think about this uh you know where are your many current and past heads where is the custodianship for local content is it an extractive issue is it a trade issue uh is it a a public policy issue, where should it sit and where should it be driven to be most effective? I think that's, that's the million dollar question, Sheila. And uh, the, the, I think governments, you know, occupy a very unique position. I, there are certain things that ideally uh, governments are well positioned to do. However, it is also important to acknowledge that governments do have their plate full. And uh, when it comes to, you know, the more entrepreneurial business development space, etc., cetera, um, governments may not readily be in a position to get in the driving seat, even though I think custodianship should still sit with them. You know, and this is where I think uh, industry working in partnership with trade organizations like you like you indicated uh, would have to take the lead and uh, i'll use the case of ghana once again where we've come a fair bit in the development uh, of our local content uh, program but there's still so much more that we need to do i'm sure there's a lot we can learn from the likes of botswana uh, etc you know but there again, it was the Chamber of Mines uh, working in partnership with the IFC and subsequently the government that got the more regulated local content uh, space that we find ourselves in uh, going. But it, it came out of that multi-stakeholder you know, conversation, but it was initially triggered by the industry itself, the Chamber of Mines, given what we were seeing happening in other places and given the fact that local content made sense. You know, we're looking at it, obviously, from the local participation angle as well, but then there was the need to focus on the procurement angle as well, which is where the bulk of 
of our revenues and our costs actually go through. So building those linkages was critical for our own social lenses. So I think, I think the industry does have a, a very unique uh, opportunity, as it were, to get into the driver's seat and to, and to get the local content process uh, going and where it's going already to move it up a lot more notches, simply by virtue of where we also sit. Custodianship definitely has to be uh, with governments. And uh, there's the recent example of the Ghana Chamber of Mines where we, we've looked at uh, our own country, our own industry, and we've realized that, well, if you take gold, for instance, West Africa is the uh, current frontier for gold on the continent. And uh, Ghana is currently the leading gold producer on the continent. So those, you know, it shouldn't just be the hype and the, and the noise about that, but how do we leverage that uh, for the long-term benefit of the country? And one of the issues we realized was that we could start looking at establishing Ghana as the mining services hub, if you like, for the entire sub-region. Ghana has got great uh, political situation, rule of law, free media, you know, all the good things. You know, it's a stable country, uh, great education, and all of that. So it's, it's, it has a long history of mining. Uh, it's developed quite a number of brilliant uh, mining professionals, etc. So it has all the basic building blocks to actually become, if you like, the, the hub for the sub-region if we got a lot more strategic about it. So we started having that conversation. And uh, as I even speak, we're reviewing various proposals that consultants put out uh, to help us develop a roadmap along this. But that's the kind of thing that I believe that industry has to do. And obviously we are not doing this on our, because ultimately it will get to the point where we will need uh, uh, government assuming its custodian role and leveraging its, its, its unique position because there are certain things that only governments can do. And the government has to come in there and then help us, you know, get into, if you like, the sub-regional bodies of ECOWAS and all of that so that you are able to chart a very clear path uh, for this process as we develop this whole entrepreneurial thing. You know, so I think, I think, it is ultimately uh, governments, you know, coming to, as it were, grandfather this thing. But I, I, I believe that fundamentally the mining industry should get into the driver's seat for now and, uh, you know, develop the roadmap as, as we seek to, you know, grow the local uh, 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 content, you know, process. The other point I'll make very quickly as well, Sheila, is that our local content uh, policies would also have to be very, very carefully thought through. I mean, there's a whole issue of prescription and uh, the whole uh, conversation around disconnect with what's on the ground, etc. But I think we need to get a lot more strategic uh, about it where we are able to develop the local content plans given the competitive strengths of our countries or the development requirements of our country. So are there uh, some products or some things that are, you know, uh, 
natural in a particular country that we can leverage in the production of inputs for the industry. Or the example I like to use is that of fertilizer, for instance. It will make sense to have a fertilizer factory, a big fertilizer factory in Ghana, because then you are able to serve your agri sector, which is critical to the economy, all the cocoa, all the food crops, etc. But at the same time, also provide a key input for explosives, for instance, for the mining industry, which is fertilizer. But that is something that has to be very carefully thought through. And the reason is, come the end of the finite life of the extractive or mining sector, you don't have uh, input companies who fall down with it. But these companies are able to keep serving other economies uh, of the of the of the uh, other sectors of the economy because the, the, the need is there. So I think that's that's what I would say uh, in response to that. Well, that's wonderful. You you've said a lot. You've certainly unleashed a, a, a welcome demon here because. People are very simplistic in the way that they discuss local content. I've always been uh, pushing for us to think when we say local content, disaggregate the notion of locality. What is the locality? And when you refer to the lessons from COVID-19, in a way you are moving towards that, say, well, the locality used to be the whole world, but you know, unfortunately because of the pandemic, we have to be more constrained in how we, dis you know, uh, define locality and then of course there's the content your, your example of uh, using fertilizer uh, factories basically to springboard a whole industry uh, around explosives because the, the component parts are the same is another so suffice to say Fred that I doubt you've had the last of me and I'm particularly interested in the initiative that you and your industry colleagues are doing to develop this roadmap so let us stay uh, connected and uh, let me invite you back again in future to tell us how that project is progressing so that others might learn from uh, Ghana's lessons. Otherwise, it, it really was a great pleasure having you. And I'm certain that uh, our listeners will find your comments insightful and I invite them to join us and subscribe to Sheila Kam Extractives podcast on Spotify as we take this conversation across the continent and try and, and disaggregate things that are purely emotive to things that are realistic and help a lot. Thank you very much, uh, Fred. I will stay in touch. Thank you very much, Sheila. Thanks for having me.